Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello and welcome to Transporter Lock, episode number 22 for Wednesday, October 3rd, 2018. I'm your Chief of Engineering, Ken Gaggy, and joining me is my dear Captain. Hello, Captain. Hello, and I am Sabriel Mastin, back at it again. Wow, we've been on Shirley for quite a while. Indeed, it's been lovely here on the planet Ryza, but we are ready to embark on our second one-year mission of Star Trek Discovery. Unfortunately, there's some atmospheric interference that's distorting my subspace frequency, so my audio might not be great for the first 10 minutes of the show. Please bear with us while we adjust the emitters. So yeah, we lasted a show back in the summer when they showed the first trailer for season two of Discovery, and there have been a lot of announcements since then that we're eager to share with you, our dear listener, before the second season starts later this week, kind of, sort of. So what is it that's starting this week, Sabriel? Well, this week we have the first of four little mini episodes called Short Treks, Star Trek Short Treks. These are roughly 15-minute episodes that take place in the Discovery universe, and we don't know yet, may or may not have something to do with the next season of Discovery in some manner. Right. It has characters from season one of Discovery, and I assume that the timeline is between seasons one and seasons two. And I'm hoping this isn't just filler, that they're actually laying the foundation for threads that will come back later. Yeah. And when they announced this, I was like, well, that's kind of weird. Cool. They're doing some world building this way, but also like, huh, I wonder if they're just trying to fill space because there's such a long gap between the seasons or not. I'm sure that's absolutely part of it. And also a way to keep our CBS All Access subscriptions alive, as we mentioned before. (laughs) Yes, uh, I'm sure the timing is just right to make sure like, oh, it's going to run out just in time for you to need to renew it before you if you want to catch this episode. <laughs> and speaking of timing, it was just now from listening to you that I learned the length of these short treks. I had no idea how long they were going to be. I was guessing 22 minutes because that's how long a half hour show with commercials is. But it's only 15. Uh, I mean, oh, heck, I think uh, they might even have said approximately 10 to 15 minutes each. They are very short treks. Oh, wow. That's, that is really short. Yeah, I think I was overestimating. Uh, yeah. Huh. That, that's kind of disappointing, actually. All right. We want all the, we want all the truck we can get in here. <laughs> well, well, not only that, but how much character and plot development can you do in 10 to 15 minutes when even the animated series was 22 minutes each? You know, you might be surprised if you watch, like, um, oh, what's, what's the... Um, sing-along blog i'm drawing a complete blank dr horrible sing-along blog okay those episodes themselves were relatively short when they were released individually and you got a lot of building there yeah (laughs) okay you got me there i've just never seen an official star trek production be so short and i'm curious to see what they do with that format yeah and and, you know a lot of the fan stuff now has to be that long (laughs) you can tell some decent stories oh Doctor Who, I know you haven't watched a whole lot of that, but they do uh, between seasons a lot of times or between breaks, they will do short five minute episodes that can really build up a character or give you some deep insights onto someone that uh, just like was really important to the show. I'm like, wow, that was amazing. And it was so short. I had no idea. I thought they only did Christmas specials in between seasons. Nope, nope. They've done some wonderful ones that are just like either fun or goofy or, you know, it's like, wow. 
that really just is a punch to the gut. <laughs> and where do you find these? Are they online? A lot of times BBC will release them online. And when they release the DVDs or on disc later, they'll replace or re- they'll put them on there as well. When they release the DVDs on disc. Yep. Got it. Not the DVDs on, on digital. <laughs> no. Or on a toaster oven or something. Right, right. right. Got it. Okay. So there are four short treks coming out, roughly one a month, starting October 4th and continuing November 8th, December 6th, January 3rd. And those episodes are called Runaway, Calypso, The Brightest Star, and The Escape Artist, respectively. And some of these will feature familiar characters. Can you tell us about them? Yeah. The first one, we're going to have Tilly. Uh, We we don't know much yet, but it has Tilly and has something to do with... Uh, her finding an unexpected visitor on the discovery. So it could also be called Stowaway, perhaps. Possibly, but it's called Runaway, so that might be important. And then the next episode is Calypso. I don't know what its content is, but it's written by Michael Chabon, who also wrote The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. I have no idea what that is, Ken. Could you fill us in? Oh, sure. It's an award-winning novel written back in the year 2000 that is a sort of a metaphor for the creation of Superman by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, two impoverished Jewish kids living in New York in the 30s. And uh, it's basically his take on that story and on that culture. And it was phenomenal. I highly recommend it. Interesting. All right. Yeah, he is making his Star Trek debut, not on screen, of course, but as a writer with this short Calypso. And you'll hear his name again later in this episode. Calypso's description is, after waking up in an unfamiliar sickbay craft someone we don't know, uh, finds himself on board a deserted ship and his only companion and hope for survival is an AI computer interface. That seems like a computer or Star Trek trope. (laughs) Maybe it's a crossover and the AI's name is Jarvis. (laughs) I love that. What was the one that was built in the the original series that was going to replace crews and captains? Oh, Johnny Five or something? No, (laughs) that was a little later. Uh, Kirk had to confuse it by giving it a logic. Norman. Norman. Okay. That was a different, I was thinking of a different one then. The ultimate computer. Is that it? Yeah. M5. I confused it with the Harry Mudd episode. This is the computer I was thinking of. It was M5 from the ultimate computer in season two. Sure. Created by Dr. Richard Daystrom after whom the Daystrom Institute is named. Yes. Daystrom Institute. We later heard on Star Trek a lot in between Voyager. I think it maybe was heard and TNG and it's the name of a popular subreddit for on Reddit for people who want to talk about Star Trek as if it were some kind of basis in real life. More, more, I don't want to say deeper discussions and not just the Haha, <laughs> it's that way because it's a TV show. Right, not reviews of the episodes or the plot of the characters, but more talking about how does the Prime Directive work, or what if the Warp Core did this, and real technical stuff. And, and, and philosophical as well. Right, or, you know, the whole Tuvix episode on Voyager. <laughs> oh, that was my episode of Random Trek. Oh my goodness, what an episode to get. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and then the next episode is The Brightest Star. What's that one this about? This one is one I'm looking most forward to, I think, so far. It stars Saru, and it's talking about his youth, I believe, and how he got into Starfleet, or why he joined Starfleet. I believe we get to see... Uh, some of his family in this one. Oh, that sounds adorable. It almost sounds like the Star Wars Christmas special where Wookiee has to make it home to his family. <laughs> Life day. Okay, no, no. Exactly. <laughs> Here it is. Before he was the first Kelpian to join Starfleet, Saru lived a simple life on his home planet of Kaminar with his father and sister. 
Full of ingenuity and a level of curiosity uncommon among his people, he yearns to find out what lies beyond his village, leading him on an unexpected path. Oh, we've pierced through the atmospheric interference. So much better. <laughs> yeah. You know, the engineering person, you'd think they would have caught that right away. But hey, when you're busy, you're busy. We all have off days. My job really is more to delegate. <laughs> all right. So I think you just told us about the brightest star. Let's move on. What is the escape artist about? The escaped artist is about Harry Mudd or Harry Houdini. One of the two. I'm assuming Harry Mudd. Why? Does it just say Harry? No, it's called the escape artist. And that was oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually directed by Rain Wilson. Yeah, uh, Rain Wilson, if you do not know, plays Harry Mudd. And we get to see what happened after uh, his wife, to, or his soon-to-be wife, took him back. <laughs> oh, Stella. Stella! So we assume this is not a prequel to his prior Discovery appearances. Well, well, the description says he's back to his old tricks of stealing and double-dealing. He finds himself in a precarious position aboard a hostile ship, just in time to try out his latest con. That sounds exactly like his previous appearance on Discovery. <laughs> you could put that for every single appearance of Harry Mudd. That's true. Harry Mudd just took over a planet of androids, <laughs> just in time to try out his latest con, to steal every ship in Starfleet. Harry Mudd finds himself in a precarious situation because he swindled somebody and they're on to him. <laughs> Hello. Anyway. <laughs> So I'm looking forward to watching these starting this week on October 4th. You and I are going to be reviewing them. Probably some, what do we call it, transporter lock tracks or short uh, transporter short, locks? Short locks. Short locks. Short, short locks. There you go. Instead of short leave, it's short Beautiful locks. short hair and locks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not bagels and locks. No. no. Yeah. Oh, I, I had that. It's kind of okay. It depends if you like fish or not. Uh, Which I don't as a vegetarian. So. <laughs> All right, but I'm going to be watching this on my recently renewed CBS All Access. How about you? Yeah, because someone was suckered in for a whole year. Suckered? I am taking one for the team. Come on. <laughs> you watching Sheldon, Young Sheldon a lot? <laughs> no, but I am watching all the reruns of Family Ties. My God, what a great show. <laughs> okay, fair point. I'm going to try out watching Star Trek this year, this season and including the short treks on Amazon. They have a little deal with CBS where you can watch... CBS All Access material on Amazon. Now, I've heard this means that Amazon gets their own streaming player and not using CBS's. But honestly, beyond that, I don't know if, if there are any benefits or drawbacks to this. So I'm just kind of going to try it out as an experiment and report back if it's a better experience, a worse experience, or has no difference whatsoever. So you don't need a CBS All Access subscription? Correct. But it technically is one, but it goes through Amazon. I'm not exactly sure how it works, and that's how I'm going to report in. Well, I look forward to hearing your report. I hope that it's better than the intermittent experiences we had with CBS All Access oh, last season. Yeah, streaming with my Chromecast one, that was a, a beast. We'll say beast. A bear. Word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Canada will also get to watch this. They're going to watch it on the Space Channel on October 4th, the same way we do. This goes for Runaway, Runaway at least. I, I looked at these. I saw the picture of the schedule that day, and it's after an episode of Deep Space Nine, and right before a showing of Star Trek 2009. And what about if you're not in North America? Well, I'm sorry, folks. You do not get to watch it at all, unless unless you want to go sail the high seas of Pirate Bay, <laughs> because... <laughs> which we cannot recommend or endorse in any way, shape, or form, Sabriel. If you want to find a backup of this show online, because uh, for some reason you may lose your copy that you don't have in the future, yeah, there are backup solutions because CBS themselves said, due to streaming rights, they can't show it anywhere else. So if you need to find it, on some other 
platform of choice, you're going to have to do it if you want to see that before it comes out on disc, I'm sure, in like a year or two. <laughs> but I imagine this won't be an issue for the second season of Discovery, just for the short treks. Oh, what do you mean? Well, season two of Discovery, when it starts sometime in 2019, it'll be on Netflix everywhere else. Yeah, those will be everywhere else. But if you want to watch the short treks, you are out of luck unless you want to find backups online. And I use backups with quotes around them. <laughs> so I don't understand why they would have streaming rights with short treks and not with everything else that is Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. Uh-huh. Go. That's weird. Go uh, CBS. You're amazing. <laughs> but speaking of waiting for Discovery to come out on DVD, if you want to get season one on DVD or Blu-ray, that is coming out this November. On November 13th specifically, it's a four-disc set with the entirety of season one of Star Trek Discovery. The current list price on Amazon.com is $41.19 for Blu-ray, $29.99 for regular DVD, both of which are significantly cheaper than a $100 year pass to CBS All Access. It's also significantly cheaper than the old Star Trek series when they charged you $100 a season. <laughs> that is a very good point. This show certainly lacks the nostalgia value that they can cash in on, and it was fewer episodes. Yeah, so you know what? There are very few shows that I want to support by getting the disc copy these days. Uh, I'm usually fine with digital, uh, things like that, where the Avatar series just came out, uh, or the, you know, the Avatar cartoon just came out on Blu-ray recently. Legend of Korra did. Like, I wanted to support these. I want these on discs, so I always have them. Uh, Star Trek is one of those other, other things that if I can get it cheaply, you know, moderately placed. I want a disc copy just so I always have access to it. And so I think I will be picking up season one, even though I have access to CBS Hall Access and I also have access to people's um, <coughs> backups of the show. And I might wait until Discovery has completed its run and then buy the entire series box set with the bonus disc that they always throw in. Yeah, yeah, that's also another valid thing. Uh, other shows, like, like even uh, the Harry Potter, like seven movie sets were always a decent deal. One or eight movie sets when they came out. And so th there is something to be said about waiting. Speaking of waiting, we have been waiting a long time for the return of a certain Star Trek character who will be getting his own Star Trek show on a CBS All Access starting who knows when. Yeah, so during Star Trek Las Vegas, this rumor was made true and Patrick Stewart is going to reprise his role as, as Picard. I don't want to say Captain Picard because probably an admiral by this point. Or ambassador. Or ambassador or um, president of the <laughs> United Federation of Planets. I doubt that. Or maybe just somebody who makes wine. It could be. It could be. It could be a Vinter. <laughs> I knew there was a word for that. Dang it. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so there's going to be a whole Star Trek series featuring uh, Jean-Luc Picard as played by Patrick Stewart. One of the writers for the series is also Michael Chabon, who we mentioned is writing the short Calypso and also wrote The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. And it sounds like Captain Picard, or whatever his role might be, might be a very different Picard from the one we are familiar with. Uh, well, aged anyway. Right, but who knows what he's gone through. He might have gotten married and had kids. He might have defected to the Romulan Empire. He might just be old and bitter from watching everybody he knows and loves die. <laughs> who knows? Man, <laughs> I thought I was in a dark mood. <laughs> Oh, you you want to go head to head in dark mood? I will win. I <laughs> promise you that. Well, but who's had the crappier summer? Let's find out. Well, anyway, on a happier note, uh, or maybe happier, <laughs> this does take place. Well, 
He said himself during Star Trek Las Vegas that uh, it takes place about 20 years after Nemesis. Um, to put that kind of in some context, that would be roughly the year 2399, which is uh, when All Good Things uh, came out. That took, The primary timeline in that one took place in 2370, so that's uh, almost 30 years. But the future timeline actually was 2395. That was the future timeline where he went to go see Data, and they had the anti-time portal, or uh, whatever, and whatnot. So this is four years after the proposed future in the finale of The Next Generation, where he was a Vinter. Right, right. Uh, and he had Iromotic Syndrome. Yeah, what was that again in context of the show? I don't recall what that meant. I mean, Dr. Crusher did some scans, and it has something to do with, I think, your hippocampus or whatever, and I don't remember what the exact symptoms were, but it is a degenerative neurological disorder that Captain Picard had a predisposition to. And so when we talk about this might be a very old and very different Captain Picard, it might be one where he's like in an assisted living facility. It's possible, but I don't know. I think Q might be, uh, you know, I was like, Hey, here's just one possible future. Here we go. So we have, we have Oh, seen. or maybe, maybe just like Vash, everybody's favorite love interest. <laughs> maybe Q will take Picard on a tour of the universe and say, here's everything you could have done. I'll make sure that you don't die. <laughs> Uh, Christmas Carol in Star Trek form yet again. Ooh, why not? That'd be fun. He loves Dickens. Uh, Patrick Stewart does, so hey. <laughs> it's true. And probably so does Picard. It's true. So let's see. Uh, Endgame from Star Trek Voyager's finale took place in 2378, which is about 20 years before this possible new series, which basically is kind of the last real TV series we had in the Prime Universe. It's true. It's true. There has not been any canonical Star Trek in the Prime Universe after Endgame. On TV. That's true, because we saw something happen in the movies. Yeah, uh, two movies have referenced the Prime timeline since then. Apparently, uh, just nine years after Voyager's Endgame, Romulus is destroyed by a supernova in Star Trek 2009. And that was in the year 2387, so this new Picard show is 12 years after the destruction of Romulus. Yeah, where is <laughs> uh, that weird phrasing of the galaxy was threatened by a supernova, and, but, but just Romulus was destroyed. <laughs> well, we had red matter to stop the rest of it. Yeah, uh, apparently. A very small drop. But anyway, yeah, and then lastly, the last Prime Universe thing timeline-wise we have is, um, we jump backwards just a little bit, we have Nemesis, which took place in 2379. Uh, that was the last TNG era stuff we really had. So I kind of bounced around in my timeline on our little sheet here by accident. But um, yeah, the last TNG thing that we had that was actually produced for TNG in that era was 2379, one year after Voyager's Endgame. Which makes me wonder if we'll see other next generation actors and characters, because I've always wondered if the Android B4 ever evolved into Data. I mean, it's always a possibility they they hinted at that, but I suspect they're going to keep Data out of this because, like he said, he's aged himself and whatnot and didn't really fit. He might play a different character. Games like Star Trek Timelines and even some of the comic books, I think before became Data, Data became Captain the Enterprise, Picard became an ambassador. So there are all these other possible futures that are not canonical, but which we may see reference. Because, you know, Admiral Thrawn, he was non-canonical until they made him so in the animated series of Star Wars. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. they have all these timelines that they could pluck from if they want to not be unoriginal, but just do some fan service and draw on the great ideas that are already out there. Yeah, they could absolutely pull from Star Trek Online, which takes place after uh, Star Trek 2009's version of events. 
Now, another theory for what the Star Trek Picard series could be about, since there are no scripts written yet, this comes from the webcomic Joy of Tech. They think it might be Captain Picard sitting around with a bunch of his grandchildren saying, let me tell you about the time, and then they play an episode of Next Generation. (laughs) Just narrating his past and... It's just a framework, yeah. Just these bookends are the only thing that's new. Let me tell you about the second episode of the first season where we went really racist and... (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Or maybe it is Captain Picard and Wesley Crusher, time traveler, going through the universe together. I would love that. I would love to have uh, Will Wheaton (laughs) hop back in. I was so bummed that most of his scenes were cut from Nemesis. This might be a good opportunity to finally get some closure on that character. Finally, yes. If you didn't know, you could see him for a split second in the background sitting around the table during the wedding in Nemesis. And he's wearing his Starfleet uniform. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, you know, maybe it's an honorary thing because he was still with the trial. I don't know. We just don't know. We don't know. We don't. We don't. We don't. <laughs> it's it's impossible. It's it's unknowable. <laughs> anyway. Well, speaking of the Enterprise D. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. We had some um, uh, CBS and just Paramount. <laughs> yeah. Really? Uh, what happened, Ken? Well, there was an attempt to recreate the NCC 1701D, the Enterprise we all know and love from the next generation as a virtual reality simulation that you could walk around in. I think they may have been using the Unity game engine. This was a fan project that they were working on. It was called Stage 9. It was pretty far along, and then they received a cease and desist order from CBS or Paramount or both. I don't know which. So they had to shutter the project. Now, this is something that we've seen time and time again, especially with video games, with like unofficial sequels to Mega Man or Chrono Trigger or whatever. And intellectual property owners have to protect their copyright, which means that they had to shut it down. Why they couldn't license it or come to some sort of agreement, especially where there is an understanding that fans can make Star Trek fan films as long as they follow certain rules, I don't know. Because it may be CBS slash Paramount slash whatever is trying to make their own 3D simulation of the NCC 1701D. We do have that what's it called, Star Trek Bridge Simulator Mm -hmm. for the Oculus Rift. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is kind of a virtual reality recreation, except it's only the bridge, and you can't stand up or move around. (laughs) But uh, it was... I I personally am not a fan of virtual reality. I don't have any of the equipment necessary to take advantage of it, but I still wanted this thing to exist because as you and I were commiserating this summer, and maybe someday we'll do a whole episode about it, we really miss the Star Trek experience at the Las Vegas Hilton. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is one of those things where I understand the legalities of why rights holders need to fight these things, but I also hate that they're not doing anything with these properties, but we can't let you do anything either, unless in case we decide to do something in 20 years with it. Right. It's really frustrating. And, but also something to piggyback on what you said, actually a line you told me years ago, or not years ago, months ago, is I want to live in a world where this exists. So I want to support it, even if I don't want to use it. You mentioned the VR thing, not your jam. Right. I was referring to backing Patreons for podcasts I don't listen to. And the same thing is true here. I want people even if I'm not one of them, to be able to have this experience because it's a way to bring people closer to the Star Trek experience or even into Star Trek for the first time. I'm disappointed that that won't be happening via this vehicle. 
Yeah, that's a bummer. And you know what? I actually was with you on the VR thing until last winter when a friend of mine invited me to her place. And she's like, you know, here, try it out, try it out uh, again. Because I had only ever tried it at PAX East 2014. And she's like, well, things have changed a lot since then. And so I tried it out and like, okay, I'm sold. VR is going to be a cool thing when it's actually something we can do. <laughs> it still requires people know what to do with it. And by people, I mean developers. This yep. past weekend, I was at Boston Fig which is the Festival of Indie Games, people showing off new games, games in development. And these indie developers, they're so eager for feedback and they're so appreciative of people trying their games because they don't often get opportunities like that. They can't afford booths at PAX, for example. And I tried this one Oculus Rift game. When I was done, I didn't say this, but what was on my mind was, wow, that's a really nice tech demo. (laughs) And it, 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 it wasn't a tech demo, it was a game, which is why I didn't say that. Yeah, no, that's fair for a lot of games, though. Uh, right now, the, a lot of it is experimenting and seeing what can be done with the world. I mean, this is more of a, I guess we could turn this into a holodeck discussion. But, uh, you know, VR, in some ways, has a long way to go. And I just wish that when it got there, Star Trek would be waiting for it. Yeah, that would be wonderful. I would love to be able to walk around on the Enterprise. And I'm sure there are going to be, uh, quote-unquote, backups to use this again. But um, it's... It's a real bummer that it was taken away already. Yeah. But we always have other Star Trek we can go back and enjoy. And I've been re-watching some Star Trek recently, including just this past Friday, September 28th, which was the 31st anniversary of the debut of Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, my gosh. I know, right? <laughs> oh, it's been so long. So I decided to watch some Star Trek. I did not watch The Next Generation, even though that would have been apropos. Instead, I got into my Star Trek jammies, and I crawled under my Star Trek blanket, and I watched Star Trek Beyond, the most recent Star Trek movie to come out in theaters two years ago. Uh, After it's been a while, I'm sure, since you've seen it, what do you feel now? Well, I saw it twice when it was in theaters. This is my first time seeing it since then. I could have sworn I owned the DVD or the Blu-ray, and I didn't. It's the only Star Trek movie I don't own on Blu-ray. And I think the reason for that is because I originally bought the 2009 film, then I bought Star Trek Into Darkness, and then you pointed out that there was a box set that had both of those movies with additional content, so I bought that. So I have two copies each of the first two movies, and then I was like, what version of Star Trek Beyond should I buy? Should I buy another box set that has all three films? Should I buy just the one? And I couldn't figure it out, so I never bought it at all. Now that you mention it, I don't know that I own a copy either because I remember them doing the same BS that they did with the first movies and restricting content depending on where you bought it. And so I don't think I ever bothered. So we need to figure this out and come to our next episode of Transporter Lock with a recommendation for how to buy Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, the the quote unquote best way possible with as much content as you can uh, that used to be normal on discs like movies of this type and now became the... Oh, if you buy it at GameStop, you get this. If you buy it at Best Buy, you get this. Bullcrap. Boo. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so we'll figure that out. We'll come back. In the meantime, I streamed it for free off Amazon Prime. First, I tried it on my PS4, but it kept buffering. So then I tried it on Apple TV, but I couldn't get 5.1 surround sound. So then I switched to my Xbox 360, and that worked great. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know what the difference was. Same wired network, same Amazon Prime account, just different hardware. But Same bat channel. Uh, exactly. <laughs> but to your question of what did I notice this time, I actually didn't notice anything I hadn't previously noticed. And I don't know if that means I was just really scrutinizing it the first two times I saw it, or if it's not that deep a film, but I enjoyed it as much as I always have. 
you know, I think Star Trek Beyond was one of the first Star Trek shows we ever did. So, you know, we talked about it at great length before. You and I did an episode of Polygamer all about it. Yeah. One of my first Polygamer side quests. <laughs> a sidetrack. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's what it's called. Side. No, I did call it a side quest, but you're right. You it should have been called a sidetrack. That's right. So. <laughs> When's the last time you saw Beyond? You know, I think it's been over a year, maybe even, uh, gosh, maybe just after, maybe even the theater. Gosh, I really don't, I, c- I couldn't tell you. I think you need to watch it again. I think you're right. Uh, one, determine <laughs> if I even have a copy here. Uh, two. Well, if you're, if you're going to be watching short treks on Amazon, you, uh, you can watch Star Trek Beyond as well. Oh, there you go. There you go. I've also been watching Next Generation. As you know, I'm watching it with my mom and we're... About halfway through season four right now, which is a really good season. Two episodes that we watched recently are two that I really enjoy whenever I watch them. I find them very memorable. Clues is one of them. <laughs> and that's the one where they're supposedly blacking out for 30 seconds. But when they wake up, there are clues that they were out for a full day. And it seems like Data is lying to them. Uh, is this also the one where people Rose starts thinking she's captain? Roe has not been introduced yet. That was a later season. So she's not on this one. But I need to find out if Scott McNulty did an episode of Random Trek about this episode, because I have so many thoughts. Because at the end of the episode, they're like, oh, let's do it again. Let's black out for 30 seconds and pretend it was only 30 seconds and not a full day and have data lie to us again. But this time we'll wipe out all the clues. And I'm like, no, the fact that you screw up the first time means that there are even more clues the second time. Your beards will have grown. And also, you're only looking at the clues left by members of the bridge. What about the thousand yeah, other yeah. people on this ship? Yeah. Maybe uh, those aliens had it right and the show just destroyed them. <laughs> but then, of course, Starfleet would come looking for them and blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh, but, so it just brings more trouble. <laughs> uh, and then last night, I watched First Contact, which... I love first contact stories. This one is where Riker ends up in the hospital and he's undercover <laughs> as an alien and they're like, what's wrong with you? Your heart is in your digestive tract, etc." I have two questions about this episode. First, mm-hmm. I love the cameo by B.B. North. I'm going to say you have a connection that I'm about to make in things I watch before I have the connection. <laughs> well, I don't mean to scoop you. I will get to that. But <laughs> there's the part where... She says, I've always wanted to make love to an alien. And she says, I'll only help you escape from this hospital if you make love to me. And he doesn't want to. But at the end of that scene, she's like fondling him. In the next cut, she's helping him escape. So the idea is that he did make love to her. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which has two implications. First of all, he was sort of forced into it, which makes this a form of sexual assault if you're being coerced into having sex, Mm -hmm. which is not cool. Even if you are a Riker. <laughs> and second of all, at the end of the episode, the Minister of Science leaves the planet with the Enterprise at her request. But they were trying to cover up the fact down the planet that aliens had visited them. So how do they explain, coinciding with this rumor that aliens have visited him, that the Minister of Science has disappeared without a trace and not have it be thought of as an alien abduction? Ken, there are many ways to hide <laughs> death. <laughs> well, I just hope that before they departed the solar system, that they like had her give a press conference about how she's resigning to explore something on this like little island or continent or whatever. And uh, anyway, but still, I didn't think of these things when I was a kid, and now that I'm viewing oh, these no. episodes as, as an adult, they're no less fun. And these are not criticisms; they're just questions. How did they do this? 
that's a thing you can do as you get older. You see shows in a different light. Uh, or even as time passes or culture changes, you see things in a different light. And so you can do that reflection or introspection, I yeah. guess would be the word. Extrospection. <laughs> well, there's a book that's actually helping me do this. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's a complete episode guide to Star Trek The Next Generation. And you can read the like the two-page plot summary. But then at the end, it lists all the things they got wrong in the episode. <laughs> like, nice. Like in Clues, for example, it says... Oh, war for Porsa sickbay because his wrist hurts. But in this previous episode, when they used the bone regenerator, Crusher specifically said, "You won't feel any pain once this is done." So why did War <laughs> feel pain? And like, well, because it was convenient to the plot. But it's it's fun to pick those things out. Yeah, yeah. Klingons <laughs> don't feel pain except when it's convenient. <laughs> Do they feel twice the pain because they have twice the organs? Oh no, <laughs> that's terrible. They have twice everything else, as we've learned. As for what I've been watching, uh, nothing Star Trek related. You know, I mentioned before, I think I did, that I went through every Star Trek series and medium, uh, save for some of the movies, over the last few years. And so, you know, maybe I'm due to start over again. But uh, I did. the only Trek connection I have is the same Trek connection you do, where I've been watching Frasier on Netflix. Frasier's great. It is a great show. And if you don't know, if you didn't catch uh, BB that Ken mentioned earlier, played uh, Lilith former wife of Frasier. Yes. Who was also on Cheers. Uh, yes, Cheers. of course, Frasier and Lilith, the characters, were originally on Cheers. Frasier is a Cheers spinoff. Yeah, and so that's my truck connection. That's the closest thing I have for a truck connection. Of course, you've seen the canceled pilot for Star Trek Voyager that had the cast of Frasier. Yeah, that was a great thing. <laughs> if you haven't seen this, just Google Frasier Star Trek, and you'll probably see either links to the episode where he was captain of the Bozeman on TNG, or you'll see the great little bit where all the actors from Frasier played roles on uh, a, a fake Star Trek set. <laughs> right, where only Kate Mulgrew was playing Captain Janeway, and everybody else was from Frasier. Yeah, and I think they were more or less playing their characters on the show, if I recall correctly. It's oh, been a while since absolutely. I yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Where, like, uh, Niall still has a crush on, what's her name, Daphne? Daphne, yeah. yeah. So, what else you got? Uh, let's see. I also just finished The Dragon Prince, which is a show created by the folks who created the Avatar series. Not the um, Cameron movie, but the cartoon and, the, and Legend of Korra. Uh, Dragon Prince was a Netflix show they released. And, you know, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's not Avatar, it's not Korra, but I liked it for what it was. And then I also finished up season five of BoJack Horseman. Uh, wow, that's a show that really knows how to... Yeah, it's a good show. It's a good show. It knows how to punch you in the gut in a good way. I've never heard of it. When or where is it set? Oh my gosh. <laughs> if you've not heard of BoJack Horseman, this is a Netflix series. It just finished its fifth season. Uh, it stars Will Arnett as BoJack Horseman, a basically a character who is modeled after Bob Saget. <laughs> who in this world he was on a popular family 90s tv series and but it's current day and he's uh living through depression alcoholism uh drug addiction and other things he's trying to get his life back into order he's an actor uh he in this world animals and people live, coincide as if they were just normal everything's normal you just get everyone is bipedal it's a comedy slash tragedy i don't want to say oh what's a tragedy Trauma, dramedy, uh, dramedy, dramedy. It's kind of like that, but not quite to that level. It has a lot of very serious notes in it. Uh, I mean, it just seriously tackles, um, like I mentioned, suicide, or depression, suicide, and a number of other topics that uh, you will laugh your butt off when you watch the show, but you will also 
walk away, but especially during the season finale, is going, oh, God. Oh, I hate life. Uh, but in the best way possible. It's, it's a very, very moving show and always is very poignant. It's very poignant. Now, see, when you said BoJack Horseman starring Will Arnett, I had this idea of something like Briscoe County Jr., <laughs> like I thought he was literally a horseman or cowboy and it was starring Will Arnett, who's a very funny man. And uh-huh. wow, the, what you explained is nothing like I imagined. No, uh, yeah, he's an actor in the 20 teens here or, you know, he's, he's aged and he's trying to get his life back and he just keeps royally screwing things up. He has terrible ability of being able to keep relationships or friends and his struggles through that. And, uh, that's putting it very mildly. I mean, there's also a lot of amazing, hilarious humor, especially if you are able to watch the background in shows. They have a lot of hidden jokes or, you know, some obvious jokes. Like in the first episode, the D from Hollywood is accidentally removed from the Hollywood sign in California and they never bother fixing it. In fact, they changed the name of Hollywood to Hollywood. <laughs> okay. Sort of like how they tried to put chair face on the moon in the tick and it just became cha. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. And so they just kept with it. Now it's Hollywood. And and when I do references to Hollywood in anything else I do in life, I just call it Hollywood now. <laughs> Great. Yeah. No, it's a really good show. Uh, it It's a comedy, but it's really serious as well. And I think anyone could walk away with that feeling um, something. It, it's hard to watch sometimes, not as in bad, but in like, wow, that's, yeah, that's, that's just, I needed that. <laughs> So let's get this back to Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, that's what I've been watching. It hasn't been Star Trek. (laughs) So I have two quick anecdotes I want to share with you. Last month in September, I completed my goal for the year 2018, which was to bicycle 100 miles in one day. Uh, It's called a Century Ride, and I specifically signed up for a supported ride called the Main Lighthouse Ride. Supported means... Not only are you riding with hundreds of other people, but there are rest stops every 15 to 20 miles where you can get a snack, use the restroom, get a drink, have your bike looked at by a mechanic, stretch, whatever. I went into this ride not sure which of my bike jerseys to wear. I have several, and I narrowed down to two. One is this nice black and orange one that I had just gotten this summer, so it's brand new. It has logos for the National Multiple Sclerosis Society, because my mom has MS, and it's color-coordinated with my new bicycle, which I was using for this new ride. Or I could wear my Star Trek jersey, which tends to be a better conversation piece. (laughs) And what did you choose? I ultimately went with the Star Trek shirt for a couple of reasons. One, it's a better conversation piece. And two, I had bought it when it was on sale from StarTrek.com, and they only had a size that was a little bit too small for me. But it turns out I've actually lost enough weight in the last year that it now fits perfectly. Well, awesome. Yeah, so, (laughs) so that was exciting. And so I put on my Star Trek shirt. And I get to the starting line, and there's another guy wearing a different Star Trek shirt. So we like we immediately became best friends. So Jeff from Sturbridge, wherever you are, hello. And uh, we got to chatting. We talked about our favorite shows, blah, blah, blah. And once we actually started the ride, he just kind of pulled ahead because I'm a little bit of a slower rider. And I would see him at some of the rest stops. But after the first like 30 miles, he was gone from my sight. But it was a fun connection, so I really enjoyed it. (laughs) No, that's awesome. That's amazing. And then at Uh, the very last rest stop, I got off and I was getting a drink. And uh, there was this young couple there, uh, man and woman, probably about early 30s. And they said, hey, I love your shirt. I'm like, oh, thanks. Are you Trekkies? Do you watch Star Trek? And they said, well, historically, we haven't. But we're watching the new one, Discovery. And 
oh, I was like, oh, let's talk about that. <laughs> so we started talking about Discovery and how it's different and a little bit more BSG than traditional Star Trek. And that's not a bad thing, blah, blah, blah. And as I'm ready to get back on my bike, I say, when the second season debuts, if you want to follow along with my podcast, you can listen to it at transporterlock.com. That podcast again is transporterlock.com. <laughs> and they said, okay. And I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, whenever you meet somebody new, you got to use their name like three times in the first minute for it to really stick. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, I've used it twice, but they haven't said it. So I just said, Say it with me now. And all three of us said, transporterlock.com. And now they're like, oh, God, now I'm never going to watch this or listen to this. It's entirely possible. I mean, actually, something similar happened back in June and July. I was doing another two-day 150-mile bike ride. I had to stop at a rest stop, get my bike looked at by the mechanic. And he was a Trekkie, and I was wearing my shirt. And I'm like, oh, you should listen to transporterlock.com. He's like, I totally will. But I have no idea if he did. I didn't have my business cards with me on a bike ride, of course. So I figured this time, if I get them to say it, it'll stick. So, And of course, there's no way to know who our listeners are unless they write in and they didn't. But I'm hopeful that maybe they went home and they're like, hey, who was that weirdo we met at the rest stop? Let's look up his podcast. What was it? A subspace signal? Uh, what was the show again? Uh, I know, right? All or hands like engineering. Priority uh, One, Emergency yeah. Beacon, or <laughs> yeah, uh, TurboLift.com. Escape. Oh, wait a minute. Is TurboLift.com taken? Because that's a great name. Well, you better hurry before you uh, put this on air. <laughs> it's taken. It's taken. Damn it. Well, that's it for me this month. That's all I have to say about Star Trek, Discovery, etc. At least until Short Trek's debuts like this week. Yeah, I don't have any more to add to that. I yeah. think we covered a good share of what we missed over the time here. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how long each of our transporter locks are relative to the short treks because if they're only 10 minutes are we going to be talking for hours about it i think there's a podcast out there where each episode is one minute of star wars and they're just working through all the movies one minute at a time oh my gosh yeah it's called the star wars minute that is the name of the podcast star wars <laughs> and i've never listened to it but they are going through uh, each episode minute by minute it's amazing huh <laughs> oh, I have been watching Star Trek, uh, or not Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, not Rogue. What are the two animated series? Um, the first one, not Rebels. Uh, Clone Wars? Yeah, Star Wars, Clone Wars. I've been watching Clone Wars. Oh, cool. I've never seen any of those. Yeah, you know, it's really good, actually. And just been watching the quote-unquote uh, best episodes on a list, because apparently there's a lot of filler. So I guess that's something space-related I've been watching. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I do with TNG with my mom. We don't watch every episode. Cool. Well then, Sabriel, I will probably be talking to you later this very week as we watch the debut of Short Treks. Yeah, I can't wait to see more of the Star Trek universe yet again, finally. <laughs> Via whatever channel you need to to get a hold of it. Yes, uh, or, you know, um, backups. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye, Ken. <laughs> and bye to you at home. Oh, you're sweet for remembering them. <laughs> if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes. And keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at TransporterLock or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at TransporterLock.com. <laughs>